hello, hello, and welcome to the first episode of Dim Lights and Stiff Drinks, the dive bars of Seattle. So, we decided to create a podcast in which each episode explores a different dive bar, historic tavern, or interesting drinking establishment here in the local area. We're setting out to document those bars that have a seedy backstory and interesting history behind them. But we're not just talking about these places in the quiet confines of some home studio somewhere. No, as you can probably hear, we're actually visiting these places and recording each episode at whatever bar we happen to be featuring. In this podcast, we visit the places where bad decisions and future regrets are made so you don't have to. (laughs) For this first episode, we are here at the historic Woody's Tavern on Aurora Avenue in Shoreline. This place has quite the interesting backstory behind it, but before we get into it, I'd like to introduce the crew. So let's go around. Mr. Jeremy sitting next to me. Hello. Hey, Jeremy, the one who shall remain nicknameless. Because. I thought you did have a nickname, no? Well, I, I don't know. Do I? We, we, we know just, yours. We Stash Panda, right? <laughs> Stash Panda. Sweet Lou. I don't want to steal any loose thunder. Sweet Lou. But and I, you're yeah. gaseous clay. No, no, no. Now it's like George Costanza trying to distance himself from something that's going to stick and never go away. No, that's not going to stick. We're going to make sure that's not going to stick. So first of all, Brad, great intro. Way too many hello, hello, hello's. No, I did three hello's, and that's perfectly acceptable. All right. All right, well, we'll work on that. (laughs) That was good. You like a warm open? All right, that was good. All right. That sounded great. It's up to you, Lou. Okay, so we haven't said where we're at, so I'm not going to say it yet. Because that's going to be... Uh, haven't said what? For later. We haven't said where we're at. So oh, I, where I we're said at? that. Yeah, I did. You said we're at Woody's? Yeah. Woody's Tavern. Oh, okay. Shh, what have you been smoking, Lou? What's going on over there? Where we're, are you at? Well, we don't even know who the hell you are because you haven't introduced yourself. Sweet Lou. Sweet Lou. All right. Sweet motherfucking Lou once you get to know me. That's right. That's right. And, uh, yeah. and joining us, uh, running the mix board here is Bob Trombley. And uh, producer extraordinaire, and it's a name you might uh, recognize because he used to be the producer on the Pike Place podcast, which is how I met him. I I, uh, appeared on your podcast in 2019 after the release of my first book and met you and Jerry, and it was an awesome experience. And now you're part of our crew, so... Yeah. Welcome aboard, man. Hey, now. Uh, love to be here. Uh, thank you, Brad, for inviting me on to this lovely venture to explore some more of Seattle's history. That's and it, right. And it goes deep. So, uh, yeah, we're going to learn a whole lot, and I, ha- I think we're going to have some fun while we're at it, too. So Awesome. Here we go. And, and it's unfortunate that you can't afford your own microphone, Bob. I'm, I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> maybe, maybe when you've worked your way up the ranks. When we get some sponsorship. <laughs> so, yeah, just to give you a little bit of background this is we're in the parking lot of the former bar because it used to just be there this was a parking lot for an apartment building literally in the parking lot and during covid the space became available so they put up what you might put up at burning man like any guy could do this right it's two by fours yeah like a uh, pvc pipe you got some outdoor structure way nicer than burning man lots of zip ties (laughs) lots of duct tape a couple hanging plants and some tarps and uh it's tripled the size I think of the bar. I think you're kind of, I think you're kind of underselling it, dude. I'm Lou, because it's pretty badass back here. It is. Yeah, I like it. Pretty fucking badass. Yeah. We've been here badass. a few times, and this has I kind of emerged. Say it's rickety, because they did a killer yeah. job. Yeah, it's yeah. fucking cool. And it tripled the size of the bars. So here's the history of the place. All right, so the starting point for the tale of this tavern begins in 1913, when a man by the name of Herman Butsky 
yes, that is his last name, purchased a small chunk of land here on Echo Lake and built a cabin that he moved into with his wife and daughter. Butsky was famous in Seattle for being the singing bartender at Billy Muggs Saloon, one of the most infamous saloons in Seattle. Now, Billy Muggs, for those who don't know, infamous, infamous, notorious. (laughs) Where was that at? That was down in Pioneer Square. I think that was on 2nd and Yes, sir, if I'm not mistaken. I wrote about it in my book. So Billy Muggs was like probably the rowdiest, most popular saloon down there. They had, it was the kind of place that, you know, on movies when they show saloons and people are fighting and spilling out in the streets, that was Billy Muggs' saloon. They had dog fights and rooster fights that people would wager on there in the saloon. They also had this big, long bar, and Hermit Butsky was a singing bartender there. And so he would just break out his song as he was bartending. But he was also as known bartenders for... bartenders are wont to do. As they're wont to do. Yeah, yeah. But his true gift was expertly sliding glasses of beer down the length of the bar and precisely landing them in front of whoever ordered it. So it was like a game of shuffle bar. Just woof. So wait, wait, wait. Did you ever play wait. Tapper, that video game where you wait. serve? Oh, yeah, 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 I did. So what, and then what, he was... What date are we talking here? What year So this is here? like the turn of the when, century. He, so this is... Uh, these, these beers down This the is like the 1910s was Billy Muggs' saloon's so heyday. potentially, this Butts dude is the influence for all of those crazy cartoons and movies and shit yeah. that we see of them sliding those beers. They say that he was. They what? say he was the first one. He was the first one. And I guess he just had, like, an uncanny precision. Like, someone could be 30 <laughs> oh, feet down, and like, hey, barkeep, and, you know, do the signal for another beer, and he would slide it, and it would go right in front of him. Mad skills. Mad skills. Mad skills. And, like, how much would you tip a bartender if they were able to do that today? That's at least, what, right a 20% hand. tip, right? Oh, hell yeah. And, he, and he's breaking into song while doing this. <laughs> that would be a $20. You know? <laughs> yeah. Wow. So yeah. this was Butsky's place? This no, was this was Billy Muggs' saloon. So it was oh, owned was by this guy yeah. named William Belland, and his nickname was Billy the Mug. And he was this tough-as-nails, no-nonsense guy. If someone was acting up in a saloon... <laughs> Rough him up a little bit, grab him by the scruff of the neck, and throw him out in the street. So, you know, he was one of those kind of bar owners. Kind of had to be back then. And and that's a way better name of a bar than Buttsky's. Yeah. Yeah. It rolls off the tongue a lot better than Buttsky's. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Not as many jokes he can make. So Buttsky bought a chunk of property here in 1913 and built a cabin here. And after building his cabin, he opened a lakeside property which he opened to the public, and it was known as the Echo Lake Bathing Beach. So it was like a public beach that people can come to. They had changing rooms. You can go in, change your bathing suit, and just spend a day at the beach here. So he ran the that. The beach of the lake. Echo Lake here. Yeah. Yep. Yep. So he ran that from 1913 to about 1920. Now what happened in 1920 is Aurora Avenue here. Before it was Aurora Avenue, Highway it was an old wagon Trail. God damn industrial progress. Industrial progress. So mm-hmm. wagons used to, this was the north-south route that people used to go take from Seattle to Everett. Mm-hmm. And then when cars became a thing, they started traveling on it. It was known as North Trunk Road. And then in 1920, they decided to finally pave it because so many cars were using it. And then it became known as Aurora Avenue. So, so wait, that, wait, wait, wait. Uh-huh. It, it didn't become Aurora Avenue until they paved that old-ass wagon trail. I believe so, yeah. Wow. Uh, I don't think they wow. called Wagon Trails Avenues, though. 
that's a big part of it. Yeah, no, it went from it North Trunk that. Road, and I don't know the exact <laughs> year, Trunk. but around the same time is when it became Aurora Avenue. So, I, so many questions, Brad, so many questions. Who's this trunk person? No, North Trunk Road wasn't named after a person. I think it was just a, a I don't know where the name came from, but it was, it, that's when it was research, the wagon Research deal. that shit and get back to me. And, <laughs> yeah. and Eddie why, trunk. why Aurora? You know, I heard the story it had right? something to do with the Aurora Borealis, which is north, and I think that's where the name came from, because this is a north, northern route that people take to, to go north of the city. I can totally see that being a scientist and like some high school kid. I need a 500-page essay about why yeah. Aurora is named Aurora. Yeah, I think yeah. that's why. I think that's why. Because okay. it, it led to where the Aurora Borealis Sounds was legit. located. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. I think so. So, when this happened in 1920, when they paved it, all kinds of roadside businesses popped up. Restaurants, gas station, overnight lodges, things like that. Brothels. Brothels. Uh, roadhouses, which we'll get into. So when this happens... You'll hear a lot of those on this podcast. Yeah. <laughs> yeah that, Aurora is a huge bar um, highway. Yeah, certain terms and things years. are going to be coming up a lot, and that's God one of them. God bless Aurora. God so, bless Aurora. Keep going, sorry. So, okay, so when this happened, a man by the name of Theodore Milan purchased a parcel of land from Buttsky and constructed the building that we're recording the podcast from now. Uh, the building was squeezed between Aurora Avenue and then uh, Echo Lake Road, which kind of goes at an angle. So that explains why the building has that really funky kind of triangular shape, because mm -hmm. it was following the two roads. So he opened this building, and he reportedly used this to open, to, to operate a roadhouse here. And for those who don't know, roadhouses were basically speakeasies during Prohibition. They were really popular where we are now, north of the city, because they were away from the Seattle Police Department, kind of yep. off the beaten path. So there were a number of roadhouses along the stretch of road right here. And this was one of the earliest ones that opened uh, around that time. And uh, it was interesting, when I first got here tonight, I was talking to one of the regulars, and she was telling me, I was bringing this up to her, and she was telling me that, yeah, in the front there, there's actually a hatch in the main room there in the front. It's covered by carpet, so it's not accessible now. But if you were to remove the carpet and open this hatch, there's like a little... Uh, hideaway underneath the bar that they used to use to smuggle booze and stuff, like with tunnels and stuff. So I'm dying to see this. So I'm going to, after we're done with the podcast, Whoa. I'm going to see if there's any way, like, you know, we can lift up the carpet and go under there at some point. What did, some, Like, where did the, like, tunnels go and shit? Like, that I just, don't know. It drops back here behind yeah? the property. I think so it drops back here. They probably just tunneled out. Wow. Down there. And a lot of these tunnels, we're I know from my research. Hill yeah, and it was also a way for people to escape. So if places got raided, they would just open the hatch, everyone would drop down, and then shoot out. By the time the cops got in there, the place was deserted. So I think it was used for that a lot, too. And now it's just park. Comcast fiber. Probably. I think, yeah. I think the bartender was saying that they use it for uh, cold storage and stuff. They, you know, store a bunch of stuff down oh, there. Oh, yeah, sure they do. Yeah, uh, uh -huh. storage, yeah, quote, okay. unquote. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, so this place opened, operated as a roadhouse from 1913 up through 1920. In, or excuse me, until 1933, when a man by the name of Carl Melby purchased the building with the intent of turning it into a tavern. So at this part of the story, a little historical background explanation is needed to kind of explain what was going on and why taverns were opening in 1933. So prohibition was the law of the land from 1920 until 1933 when it was repealed. 
the then last, all hell broke loose. And then all hell broke loose. Uh, the last couple of years of Prohibition, it was losing public support. It was very unpopular. So the government started kind of loosening some of the laws around Prohibition. And one of the first things they did uh, earlier that year in 1933 was um, an act known as the Colin Harrison Act, which allowed beer to be served again. Was it near beer? Like 3.5 beer? Almost. It was 3.4% or lower. So what is that? Is that Bud Light? Or is Bud Light even higher than that? Yeah. I mean, yeah, it's, it's practically nothing, which sounds like bullshit right now, but I think after a decade of prohibition, people didn't care. Like, they didn't care what the ABV was. They could just finally at last go to a place and drink beer again, right? You just got to drink a lot of them. You just got to, yeah, a lot. Like what, 20? Yeah. So this was signed into law by President Roosevelt on April 7th, 1933, and it's now celebrated every year as, any guesses? National Beer Day. So National Everything Beer Day is every year now. on I, I, April 7th. I am incredibly embarrassed that I did not know that. You learn something I know new. Today's dog every day. day. It what? is National Dog Day. Yep. Yeah. My dog got an extra treat today because of that. You knew that and you didn't know about National Beer Day? Well, I might have on the radio since it was National Dog Day. If you sent in KXP a picture of you and your dog with a request, you get a play. Oh, chomp. Did you do that? Uh, no, I was in the car. I was oh. responsible. And you don't, you don't have a. <laughs> and you know what? Do you have a dog, dog yet? Selfie. Uh, no, we have not replaced Buckley. Okay, okay. Aww, aww. So, after beer was legally allowed to be served again, is when Carl Melby purchased this building. From Theodore Buskey? No. Uh, nope, no. it was the Milan guy. Oh, keep up, Where, Come where on. are you, Lou? Jesus. So, he opened his tavern, which he named Melby's Tavern. Now, Melby was certainly an interesting character with an interesting backstory. He started out as a florist in Seattle, but was fined for peddling illegally obtained rhododendrons. Ooh. From what I read, I guess oh. Homeboy Hardcore. would just go into parks, <laughs> dig up rhododendrons from whatever park, and then sell it. And finally he got popped. You know, probably someone he dug out someone's yard and they filed charges. And that ended his, his career as a florist. This That's was around the whole, the whole massive SWAT team comes down, <laughs> you know, semi automatic weapons we, drawn. We know you have your rhododendrons. On the ground! <laughs> So, yeah, his career as a florist ended right around the time that Prohibition started in 1920, and that's when he became a bootlegger. And we know this because he got arrested so many times, as recorded in the newspaper. Uh, he was arrested in 1924 for transportation of liquor. He was transporting vermouth, which is kind of a weird liquor to... Because that's more of a mixer, right? Vermouth? Yeah. Booze. It's booze. Yeah, booze. That, but it, what a weird... Back then, like you said, it was a choice of vermouth yeah, and 3-5 yeah, beer. Yeah, back in the day, vermouth would go with? <laughs> would you a drink vermouth straight, though? I mean, I've never heard of anyone drinking. Uh, yeah. I don't know. Uh, you would? Desperate times. Lou said he would drink it, it straight, so you guys uh, out there can form your own opinions about that. <laughs> he was then arrested a few months later at a downtown Seattle garage with a big load of booze. Uh, federal prohibition agents popped him. But the charges were dismissed, and he was let go due to a technicality. Well, he didn't serve much time for those, because it, it ain't like he was stealing rhododendrons or anything. No, 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 yeah, no, yeah. no. He was only, he was yeah, only slap on the wrist. Slap on the wrist. For the booze, yeah. He was then arrested in Bellingham with 30 cases of liquor, which, which is quite a, quite a haul back then. 
And then, uh, so Roy Olmsted during Prohibition, he was he gentleman was the area's bootlegger? he was the gentleman bootlegger or the king of the Puget Sound bootleggers, as he was also known. So he was he was the head cheese back then. He was the top bootlegger in the area. But he went to prison in 1927, and Melby apparently after. Olmsted went to prison, took over as the city's top liquor baron, and he became known as Seattle's society bootlegger. So Olmsted was the gentleman bootlegger. Uh, Melby was Melby the was the society bootlegger. bootlegger. Yeah. In 1928, he was busted by the Coast Guard near Anacortes after he was caught unloading booze from a boat. Uh, the Coast Guard found him with 54 cases of liquor, cuffed him, and brought him to Seattle. Uh, and he was found guilty, and he served 90 days in jail. I think that was his first actual jail sentence. Uh, fast forward to 1931. He's arrested on Greenwood Avenue. After wait, wait, wait. I thought we were already at 1933 when they repealed. Well, this is this is his backstory. This is Melby's backstory before he opened this bar here. Wow. Okay. So this so is like, the like events leading up to, to Melby's Tavern. It's all going to come together. Patience. It's all going to come together. So, so, yeah, 1931, two years before he opened Melby's Tavern, he was arrested on Greenwood Avenue. Prohibition agents pulled him and another guy named Sid Green, who used to be part of Olmsted's outfit, and they found him with 26 cases of booze in his car. At this point, because he had been arrested so many times, Melby was sentenced to 12 months at a prison work camp. So like a chain gang. It was the Fort Lewis Road Camp, is what it was known as, and he, he basically served a year there working on a, a chain gang with a uh, you know, pickaxe and a shovel every day, digging up rocks. So that means he was probably released in 1932, so about a year after his release from this prison camp is when he opened Melby's Tavern. Uh, I'm going on the straight and narrow. I'm going to open myself up a tavern. Yep. <laughs> That'll keep me out of prison. <laughs> what could go wrong there? What could possibly go wrong? He opened a salon <laughs> instead. <laughs> Getting into hair, boys. <laughs> hair and nails. So he and his wife lived upstairs, because this is a two-story tavern, and they ran the tavern below. And before the podcast, I actually got a chance to go up and see the upstairs. Uh, they're just using it for storage right now, you know, for uh, certain mm-hmm. stock and storage. liquor and stuff like that. But a regular I was speaking to hey, let's uh, before... Her, let's let her come back and Well, we're, we're hoping a regular is going to come join us, but in case she doesn't, because it's not 100%, let me relay a story. She was telling me that in the 70s, the upstairs, I guess, was a heroin den. Uh, there's a bunch of rooms up there, and uh, apparently someone died of an overdose up there, and the ghost still of this uh, heroin there. addict lady still haunts the upstairs. And this lady who I was talking to claims that she had an encounter with this heroin ghost. Asking her if she could get her any heroin, probably. I don't know. I don't know what was going on. <laughs> They're all the same. The, the only the, the only trick is, though, to experience the heroin ghost, you have to be on heroin. Oh, makes sense. Yeah. yeah. You know that for a fact. And, somebody and how told do you know me. this? I, yeah. I, I, yeah, somebody told me that. I... So Melby and his wife continued to run the tavern until his death in 1942. He had a heart attack while fishing up in near Nanacortes, and he passed away, and he was 56 years old. After his death, the establishment continued to be run as Melby's Tavern, but continued to run afoul of the law. Uh, in 1945, for instance, the Washington State Liquor Control Board shut down Melby's after they found them selling alcohol to minors. There were six teens involved, so, you know. Back in the day, that was 
common course. It was. Right? It actually was pretty what common. What was the drinking age? Was it eighteen yet? Uh, yeah. I, I don't know. That's a good question. Discretion of the bartender. Is I think so. The but the Washington, been, the Washington State cursed. Liquor Control Board didn't play around. They yeah. like they heavily no. enforced stuff. That's true. So you know, the, yeah, I think it was probably eighteen, and who knows? Maybe they were seventeen, but they didn't care. Fourteen's fine, but thirteen and a half, we got to draw the line somewhere. <laughs> yeah. What are we going to allow ten-year-olds? What's what's the cutoff here? <laughs> so. Uh, continued to be operated as Melby's until the 1980s, and then it was renamed Joe's Tavern. And then in the 90s, it became the Echo Lake Tavern. Wait, 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 wait. Who's Joe? I don't know. It, what? I don't Did know anything about this Joe guys. Uh, yeah, Joe Blow. There you go. So how so, long was it Joe's? So it was Joe's in the 90s until it became the Echo Lake Tavern in uh, 2011. So in about a decade, a little or over a decade. maybe even decade and a half or two, so we need to find out who this Joe guy is. Well, I don't think that's too significant to the story. What's more important is who's Woody. When's he come into the picture? That is a good question. Brad's getting there. Don't, don't jump ahead, Lou. Yeah, don't jump ahead. So, Echo Lake Tavern until 2011, and then it became Woody's, which it be- is what it continues to be known as today. And to answer your question, I have no idea why it's called Woody's. We'll have to ask the bartender that. Okay. That's a good question. That's a good one. Well, I don't know where the but name there's came also, from. But there's also the Echo Lake Tavern mm-hmm. kind of Which I like that name. Line, I kind of wish which, it was still. Yeah. I've told someone one time when I was coming up here where it was right. at, and they were like, yep. oh, you, is it next to Echo Lake? Yep. I didn't know the area yet, but yeah, depending this, on, this was you know, Echo Lake for a while. Depending on how you squint and look at this building, it's either Woody's or Echo Lake Tavern. Yeah. Who's this Echo Lake person? <laughs> I don't know. Echo Lake, Joe, there's so many names here. I can't keep track of them all. So that's the story of this place. What do you guys think of that? I, I had no idea yeah. that there was such a tight connection with Seattle's amazing bootleg history. I had no oh, okay. All right. All right. So that was badass. That, so, so the history of this place is is critical to what the, what this podcast what the fuck we're talking about right so and Does that was awesome thank you but yeah what we need to augment that okay. is like somebody who's never been here now knows of the history of that pla- of of where we are they, they don't know where we are like where are we right we're we're in uh dare i say dive bar Right and like, what what is a dive bar? Right. Oh, you want to go over the parameters of what makes a dive bar? Well, for us? I mean, episode numero uno of this of this format, we should probably go there, right? Get into that. Don't you think? Yeah. So, what does make a dive bar? One of the things we talked about what it's not is it can't be a place that's been found by the hipsters. <laughs> you don't want to go to a place where there's forty people under thirty. You know. One, it or be, is I it, think well, that, that's an interesting question, though. Is, is, it, is it clientele or is it history, right? It's, I think it's both. I think because dive bars, you, you can't just open a dive bar and then have it be a dive no. bar. Nuh-uh. It has dive yeah. bars or those bars if, that have been around it's since new, it's not the a 50s, dive bar. 60s, 70s, what have you. And so they got some grit under their, their fingernails. You know, they got some, some grime on the wall. It's uh, one of the ones we want to do that's a tweener is Shorty's, which is a pinball bar in 
in Belltown. Yep. And yep. in the last two years, he had to move locations to a place down the block. So all the dirt on the floors and all the hot dog juice that's on the wall behind him is all it's all clean now. So it's actually a nice bar. So you're talking about Shorty's. No, but no, that, can we still, that's a good point. So Shorty's carries point. the history, yeah. but it's a new location, and it's not a dive. It's actually... It's fucking awesome. All the tables are it's old awesome. pinball tops. and it's, I wouldn't call it a dive bar, though. It's yeah. slick. And, yeah, you, you, but no, it's, that, it's more of a hipster bar. I, I mean, I, it's I a hip place. I know where you're going, Brad. It's like, it's, it's, it's not just the decor. It goes beyond the decor. Like, you can lose the, you can lose the grease stains on the wall, <laughs> and it's still a fucking kick-ass dive bar. <laughs> right? If you keep all the people that come over to the new place, you still, yeah, regulars have to be part of it, I think. Okay. But, right. but it has to have right. some, some old grimy roots, some old yeah. roots. Like Daryl's up the street, for instance. Daryl's, when you go there, it has the original linoleum floors and the <laughs> pool tables that have been in the same place for decades. Red to leather the extent boots. that there's actual grooves in the linoleum around the pool table, like a trail that has been dug into the oh, linoleum. Yeah. Yeah. That's what I'm talking oh, about. Yeah. That's a dive bar. Yes, but I would say... To, to your point, Lou, about like Shorty's moving, there's that aesthetic, but it doesn't necessarily have to be the physical decor. Like, no. if, if Daryl's refinishes their linoleum floor, sure. there's still going to be Daryl's dive bar. Sure. Right? Well, I, sure. I can think of one bar that's lost their dive bar license with the remodel, and that was oh. the Canterbury on Capitol Hill. Yeah. Yeah, yeah that, that's, that's a good point. Like, can you, that's awesome. a good example. And when they remodeled it, it can well, you remain open and not be a dive bar anymore? I don't know. I don't. Right? I don't think you can. I think well, that would be hard. You know, I think it's a good example. I think location and that's probably the only one and the roots of, of the place is everything. I really do. It's lost their license. Yeah, yeah. all yeah. the places because they got too bougie. Too bougie. Yep. Too bougie. When they remodeled. Yeah, prices go up. You lose the regulars. Yeah. So you could argue that they're essentially, they're not, it's not the same bar anymore. They might as well yes. fucking change their name. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, same with the, the Comet is a good example of what you were talking about earlier up on Capitol Hill. Now, the Comet's in the same location. Yep. And that was without question a dive still... bar. But they did a serious remodel. Oh, yeah. Okay. I haven't been uh, here I mean, years. did you guys ever go there in the 90s <laughs> in the Comet? Like a million by like, times. By, yeah. by like legal decree, they're like, we're going to condemn your ass if you don't remodel this shit because it's a fucking dump. <laughs> yeah. But that's a good example of before the remodeling, it was a dive bar. You yeah. wouldn't want to do a show there because it's always packed. Yeah. 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 Like you'd be taking up way too much real estate for people that aren't drinking. <laughs> but I, I saw a couple shows there. They, oh. they, they pulled it off Fuck a few yes. times there. So... Circling us back where we are now, you mentioned, you, you, you kind of kicked us off with, we're essentially in the parking lot that has been turned into a pretty cool-ass backyard kind of patio, covered patio kind of cool thing. That it's is actually has badass. an A-frame roof on it. It's not a flat tarp cover. It's yeah. actually a pitch. Yeah, this, no, he did a like, good job with this. It's, it's like three roof. times it's bigger like an, than the actual bar. It's right? like an airplane hangar. Yeah, we're in an airplane <laughs> hangar connected to the dive bar. So we're kind of cheating because where we're at now is definitely not dive bar E. Okay, we just have true. We're dive bar by by association. Yeah, we're dive bar adjacent. Dive bar adjacent. That's right. <laughs> dive bar adjacent. But we are officially 
in Woody's Tavern. We're outside we of it, but this we is are. officially part of it. So we're, we're, right. we're in a dive bar. It's a property. Yeah. It's a property. Just because we're on the patio here doesn't change So we could have taken that. the corner booth, Jerry. I know, I mean, that's I know. a good point. Why aren't we in the corner booth? There's no power hookup, Lou. No power. Oh, it's what about noisy as shit What in about there? that one? No power. So this is, okay. So this well, is we had, This is the only if place we had in the, the joint real with power. advanced technology, we could, we could walk hot mic into the bar. We could. Maybe someday. You want to get a cordless mic and walk maybe, around? Maybe Start in interviewing a, people? Maybe in a future episode. Well, hopefully the next <laughs> bar has some plugs in the physical. Interview the, the, uh, the stressed out, overworked bartender as he's in the middle of like pouring five drinks. Hey, <laughs> got a word? in his place. Got a word? <laughs> See how quick his uh, politeness uh, evaporates. <laughs> you call that a lemon zest? Shit. <laughs> so, yeah, and we're going to try to do these every two weeks, right? I think that's the plan, yeah. We're going to kind of like... Twice a week? Twice Wait, a no, week. what? be tough to do a weekly one. We'd run out yeah, of bars. Tough. We're, uh, tough. Every two weeks. I, I think, think we're going to figure a lot of this stuff out as we go. But, yeah, the plan right now, I think, is every two weeks. So for you listeners at home, we hope to release one every two weeks. We might put so, uh, three or four in I the can, Bob's every, idea. Yeah. And then once we have yeah. a backlog, if we can't make it for a yeah. couple weeks... We can still keep it coming. Yeah, I know you're going to be. There might be an episode it. where we're we're talking the talk, but we're not actually walking the walk. Like we'll, we'll be we'll be talking about a classic, truly classic Seattle by, dive bar establishment, but we won't necessarily be there when we're recording. It depends on the logistics of it. Yeah, uh, you know how like you can hear Somebody's music right now as we speak, shit. but it might be even worse at some places. Yeah. So we're going to kind of yeah, some of these bars figure it out as we go. Yeah. some of these bars would be like. Fuck you, fuck you, you're not going to record on my bar. <laughs> I don't no. think we'll have a problem with that myself. Right. But, uh, I don't know. People Maybe I'm rose-colored. I don't know nobody's listening, but it sounds like free promotion. Yeah. Damn straight. We're doing a show from your bar. Yeah. So we're gonna every give you a episode, shout though, we, we, we do need, we do need to add a little bit more color commentary about, like, what is a dive bar and why are we even here in the first place, right? Because... I'm looking around and I, I I love what I see. I love being here. There's a reason why I'm here, but it's it's hard. It's kind of it's kind of hard to explain, right? I mean, yeah, yeah. The, like, what is a dive bar? Like, what's the appeal? What's the attractiveness? It's the beer. <laughs> it's the we'll, beer. We'll do that on the next one. We did what is a dive bar. Then we'll do why do you want to be in a dive bar? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But right now, maybe we should do a little. Uh... What you drinking? All right. Lou's ready for this. What you drinking? Well, th- this is like super dumb and easy. This episode because we got a fucking pitcher, which is kind of cheating because we're all drinking the same dad goddamn thing. <laughs> well, you and I are. Oh yeah, that's oh that, that's true. Lou, you're drinking something different. Oh. Lou has a big announcement to make. Oh. Lou has discovered a new drink because uh, whiskey makes him full, makes his tummy full. Too many calories. So too many calories. Yeah. yeah. So what I'm drinking this week is uh, soda water and a lime. What? Because we scheduled this uh, podcast on the one night of my 50 years so far in which I have, I'm having a colonoscopy tomorrow. Oh, So you're not allowed shit. to Up the old shoot. eat, drink at all. Yeah, you're supposed to fast. Before. Yeah. They said you're allowed to have a light breakfast. But it didn't say shit about lunch. It just said, have a light breakfast and please don't eat dinner. Now, did they... Big lunch, KFC, what are we talking? Now, did they give you that stuff that you take that, like, <laughs> clears you out? After I leave here a couple hours later, Dude, you, I will be... you should have fucking gone to Azteca out. and just, like, gone crazy. 
just as like a joke on them. Can I have like the oh God, this guy? Can I have like the Diablo shrimp? Did you even take the stuff? What <laughs> stuff? Extra guacamole. <laughs> so yeah, this is kind of weird to be in the dive bar and not being able. So to... uh, wow. what time tomorrow, Lou? Do they they send the camera up the old poop shoot? Uh, Nine thirty. Nine thirty. Are you, are you gonna You'll do be that? In our you gonna live stream that shit? <laughs> oh, we'll have some pictures up on, your, on, on Instagram, Instagram from yeah, the podcast. Yeah. Oh yeah, hell yeah! Just go to Hash Brown. Uh, so Tim <laughs> Light Stiff Drinks. Now, have you gone through this before? So, do you know what to expect? No, I just turned fifty. In fact, Aww, it's your th- first colonoscopy. Aww, is a guy. That's Aww, adorable. That's so cute. <laughs> I know the shower is right after, so I hope you guys can make it. <laughs> No, that, that stuff they give you is no joke, Lou, so stay within close proximity to the toilet because you're going to be there. And you're yeah. doing it at night. How are you even going to get sleep, dude? I mean, that's... Well, I don't... What, I did what mine do during the I'm day. shit my brains out for six hours after I take it? It's mm-hmm. not just one, dude. I mean, it's, this clears you out. This is oh, like... Oh, it's like the tourista kind <laughs> like, getting that. Think what? of the, the worst case of the runs uh, you ever had where you're just... water in Mexico? Yeah, it's like that. Montezuma's Revenge. Montezuma's it's like that. Revenge. Yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh. yeah, it's not just like one convenient trip to the toilet and you're done for the day. You're, you're going to be You're going to be camped out there. Night. Yeah. Oh, man. You didn't think this through very good, did you, Lou? <laughs> you're going to well, need, you're gonna need like two or three car and driver magazines in the bathroom. Yeah. yeah, the way you described it, though, I don't know why I've been putting it off. I mean, <laughs> well, you're really looking forward to it, huh? Like, now, this sounds kept great, man. It off, but my wife was like, "Okay, we just turned fifty. You're supposed to do it." I scheduled it. I was like, "Oh, oh man, no, it's good that you did it." Yeah. Ooh. Now, I, if you send some FaceTime requests tonight, I'm not going to be answering them tonight, <laughs> man. So, save yourself. The, Can't uh, sleep. You want to bullshit for a little bit? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Oh my lord! Okay, All right, so, so that's what you're drinking. <laughs> so Lou is drinking soda water. Uh, we're off to and a starburst. Oh. I should have brought the box. Wow! Okay. Everyone out there in podcast land is very impressed. Uh, Jeremy and I are drinking <laughs> uh, space dust, which is uh, what is Elysian. that? Elysian. Elysian. Yeah. Yes, a classic. You got a picture of that? Classic. Classic IPA. Now we don't we don't have time on this episode, but. The beer that a dive bar serves can be pretty telling, right? I mean, right? I think so. Well, to me... I mean, we got a Legion Space Dust, which is a fantastic IPA. But it can't, one of our favorites. It can't be all, like, craft beer, to me, for a dive bar. They got to also have some of the old, like, standards. They, you know, they got to have Rainier or Miller or can, one of those. Can it, can it be all of those old... Stand sure, box? sure. I it just can't be too much, up here, too much bougie craft beer. That. Yes, that's why I asked yeah. the question, right? Yeah. It's, yeah. That's a whole fucking other episode, right? Yeah, if it's, uh, if it's too much craft, like I like craft beer myself, we all do, but if it's too much craft beer, I don't know, that kind of like takes the, the rating of the dive bar down a couple well, notches and, in my view. And your, your clientele is going to be significantly influenced, right? Sure. Well, you don't. If we don't have Rainier or Coors Light or something. You gotta lose some clientele. Yeah, definitely. And yeah, I'm pretty Rainier sure they got some, they got some vitamin R in there on the yep. tap. Yep. Well, there are so. some serious dive bar beer places like by your old apartment. Did you ever go to the Duck Island next to Beth's? Yeah. They were beer nerds. Divey, but beer nerds. Yeah. 
total dive, but they always had something. Oh, that's on a cast whole other fucking other. Oh, that's right a whole other. They were oh almost worms. Yeah. yeah, new school dive bars. <laughs> that's not right? really a dive bar though. Well, that's more of forever. like that's more of a beer pub, I would say. Yeah. It's not a it's not a bar, you know. When yeah, is a right. dive bar not a dive drinks. bar? Uh, when it's a cannonball bar. Cannonball. What's a cannonball bar? bar? The the fuck it. <laughs> Explain yourself, sir. When it's a cannonball bar. Well, you're not diving. You're doing a cannonball. Maybe a jackknife bar. (laughs) Maybe a... (laughs) We walked right into that, didn't we? (laughs) You're fired. (laughs) That's a good good dad joke, though. Credit where credit is due. This is a a pun-free zone. Uh, didn't, didn't Didn't we tell you that? That's a good dad joke. Nice. Shit. Now we got Tupac and this is, this, is, this is what I grew up on here. Well, I mean, th- th- again, not for this episode, but the musical selections for the bar, arguably, you know, potentially as important as their alcohol selection. Woody's is always on point every time I've been in here. I would like to say this. I'd like to bring everyone down to the Pike Place Market. Hopefully it's still the same as the Pike Place Bar and Grill. Yeah. And that it closes place, at like 6 that p.m. Place is, oh, that place's music is so eclectic. It's just like, it's always like weird. Like, I don't know, like. In a good way, though, or? Kind of. But like, you don't really know. <laughs> Do they have a folk, folk rock so night? There's different genres that it pulls from. You're just like, what the fuck? Like, out of all the bars I went to, that had the most eclectic, kind of weird genre. Do, do they have a Norwegian death metal night? No, it's just, it's just weird. Oh, well, I'll forget it. I'm up there. Does this place have a jukebox? They do. Or it's it's like the app where you can... Well, no, that's the cool thing, right? Right. They have a jukebox, but it's only music in the bar. What we're listening to now in the patio, totally different. DJ. Oh, so that's the app you were showing me last time we were here. But that's only in the bar. What we're listening to now, God knows who chose this. It could just be a playlist, and if you pick a song, it, it interrupts it, you know? Like it's like Pandora, it's just playing a playlist of random stuff based on what people play here, and then if you play a song, it'll throw it in there next, maybe. Uh, sure, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Try it out. Play a song. You, gotta, well, you got the app I, on I, your phone, don't you? Well, no, the, I know. I, if, you, if you pull up the jukebox in the bar and select a song, it plays it in the bar. It does not yeah. play it out here. Right. Yeah. Out here is completely independent. Like, you can't fuck with what's playing out here. Oh. Somebody selected this. It's like a, it's, oh, the it's a Pandora playlist. I don't know what the fuck. Right, exactly. Oh, exactly. Oh, so what's playing out here? See, you cannot influence I'm thinking it. jukebox is like someone's putting in a quarter and picking a song. But, like, who has selected this playlist? I want to meet that guy. I want to meet that guy. Right? Like, yeah. how many times have we come here and be like, this damn, damn good tunes, man. It's tasty. Yeah, it oh, started yeah. out playing old school country. They were playing Buck yeah. Owens, Streets of Bakersfield. And now we're playing yeah, some Tupac. I, I have like an old matchbook and, from when uh, it was Melvin's Tavern. Yeah. This place. I heard like some stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Although, you know, could, could you argue, is it, is it anti-dive bar? No. Is it, is it too good? Is the music too good for a dive bar? Well, if you got a jukebox, people... Run the shows it's for a the, and we get, you know, as, you know, but the playlist is the people at the bar, right? 
we could do like the but this isn't the playlist like of people at the bar yeah so what is it whatever music is in the bar is dive bar eligible yeah then what's this? People like that, that we're man. This to is Tupac. People love I know. it. People love it. But is then it, it connects them. They're the like listening music? to it, but they also got like a visual. Because it's playing to, like you know, tangentially at a dive bar. <laughs> right? You know what I'm saying? You see what I'm saying? Yeah. You get, the, actually you get the connection right. here? Like most dive bar jukeboxes wouldn't have much rap on it at all. But I think it sounded uh-uh. yeah, it it's all good, everybody. Okay. Yes? Oh my god, you just stop recording? No, we're still going hot, but I'm just okay. So I, do we Shoot. got one more segment we want to do? Yeah, yeah. you want me to do uh, where are we at? Yeah. Brad That'll be our did last what's segment. What's going on? And Jeremy did uh, what you drinking? Yeah, the mic, the mic and I'm going to do uh, Well, we do have a third of a pitcher left, so uh, we got to talk about some something. <laughs> so let's did talk about Otherwise it's just us drinking, and that's a really fucking boring podcast. Did you bring me a beer bomb? <laughs> yes, I did. Yes, I did. <laughs> All right, time to go. <laughs> so, yeah, let's do a little about where we're at. We are on, Brad told us earlier, we're on Aurora Avenue, which used to be the highway before the freeway. And so it's not a residential area. There are some apartments, but it's mostly... Aurora, highway 99! Highway 99. So, yeah, if Aurora, let's say Street Zero is Denny, and then we're at 190th, about right? 145th is the first suburb of the city, so, you know, 10 minutes away from the city. We're about 12 minutes away from the mm-hmm. city up here. Mm-hmm. That sounds about and right. And when, are what we, did are you... We, are we in Shoreline, or are we in, um... We're still in Shoreline. 12 minutes yeah. COVID traffic. All right. City. Yeah, there shoreline. you go. 12 minutes. 12 minutes. 12 minutes, 12 COVID minutes traffic. at night. 12 yeah. Straight out of Shoreline. Day. 12 minutes in the morning. Yeah. I'll take COVID traffic any day of the week. <laughs> Deftones are playing on the jukebox. We're all in heaven. Yeah. Yeah, Tupac um, followed by Deftones. I like that. That's a nice mashup. You know, it is very Seattle. Yeah, no, so, it's, yeah it is very solid, Seattle, but is it lineup. is it dive bar-ish enough? Yeah, for sure. All right, we get some thumbs up. Get oh, some thumbs definitely, up. definitely. Oh, is this part of the segment? Is this where we rate it? You tell me. I don't know. Well, like what we were talking earlier. I mean, this is fucking killer, killer music, but the, the, like Lou and I were talking about before, is it dive bar? It's definitely dive bar, dude. It's definitely dive bar. Metal's it's got, definitely dive bar. It's got some grit under its fingernails. Yeah. It's got some like seedy history behind it. It's been here in the same location for over 100 years, going back Wait, to Prohibition. have been here over 100 years? Oh, I'm talking about the music, motherfucker. I thought you were talking. To, I thought your question was, "Is this a dive bar?" No, 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 no. The okay. music. The music. Is this dive bar-y enough music? So edit that part out. <laughs> yeah, edit that part out. <laughs> Let's go back to Pay where attention. we're at. Come on. <laughs> we're on Aurora Avenue, Step north to speed. of Seattle, and like Brad described, you know, it's it's kind of a train of sin. It's bars, it's roadhouses. So Aurora's always train of awesomeness. The city's <laughs> gentrified. Aurora's still. Like, when I first moved here, what's the Pure, first thing you think of raw. when I said Aurora? What's the joke you're going to make? True. <laughs> Real. Brad? Uh, something, something hookers. Th- something, something hookers. That is exactly correct. Uh, so, train, there's a lot of caboose on Aurora. Yeah, when I first moved here, you think of Aurora as hookers and uh, flea bag motels. Yes. And so yes. a lot of the flea bag yeah, motels have been taken out, have they been have. demolished. Like the Black Angus. <laughs> right? You know what I'm talking about? The Black Angus. 
you think it's a restaurant, but oh no, it's an hourly rate motel. <laughs> <laughs> Right next and to, how do you know this, Jeremy? Right next to Krispy Kreme uh, and Lowe's. And Lowe's is where we find the... Host. Hired hourly the labor? Yes, the women are plying their trade down. We're at 190th, go down to 145th and 125th. There's and nothing you blocks, can't get out in front of a Lowe's. That's where you will find the ladies plying their trade right next that's to right. Lowe's Home Improvement. And what's that known as? Lowe's Hose. The Lowe's Hose. And there's, right. a, and there's a taco truck parked right there where you can get tacos and anything else you want you can get churros too somebody told me so yeah there was uh, <laughs> churros that's right they have I, churros bro <laughs> when i first moved to town why didn't you say that before <laughs> the prostitutes were at zero they were at street zero at denny at denny and aurora which is basically right next to the space needle if you're not here so yeah, i think definitely. once it started gentrifying the cops like pushed them north they were like Kids are coming to the Science Center and the Opera House and the yeah. Children's Museums there. <laughs> and uh, they pushed them north, so now. That's great to remember. That's awesome. Yeah, so Aurora's still hard scrabble where this building's at, though I wouldn't call it, what would you call this, a C building, a B building? It's definitely not an A building. <laughs> it's probably a C. It's older, it's yeah. older than fuck, yeah. for one. <laughs> it's Super haunted, character. for two. <laughs> and three, it's a weird-ass shape. So it's got it's got it's got the trifecta. It's not it a script. It does have a trifecta. It's, yeah. It's a triangular shaped building like Jeremy described before. It's mm-hmm. brown. It's got mm-hmm. a flat roof and you I've driven by it 3 times mm-hmm. going too fast like oh it's right there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, blink you missed it. Blink and you missed yeah. it. And yep. there's a heroin ghost upstairs. So I mean, That's you know, there's cool. a heroin ghost upstairs. Does anyone live upstairs, or is that just no. It's vacant, but you could live up there. Uh, when I was up there, I mean, it has a kitchen, bathroom, several different did, bedrooms. Did, did you ask them how, how much a month it costs? No, but I'm surprised someone hasn't, you know. I'm surprised no one's living up there right now, because it's totally... He could lease it out right now and definitely make collect rent every month. My son's coming back from... You think of throwing them up there, right above Woody's? <laughs> Son, I got the job. I got the great place for you. <laughs> got you a job to go along with it. <laughs> so that's the conclusion of our very first episode of our new podcast. Thank you for joining us. Um, signing out with me is uh, Jeremy, Lou, and Bob. This is Brad Holden. See you guys on the other side. And get, get you a fucking teaser, right? This is not our first episode, but oh, 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 oh more to that story. Stay tuned. To be continued. <laughs>